Hi there, my name is Michael Harris. I'm host of Falling Up Radio. Welcome to our show today. We're, we have a really outstanding show. First, I, I want to uh, mention, depending upon where you're listening, you might be listening directly from the website or on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or somewhere else. But if you go to fallingupradio.com, you'll be able to listen to this directly, watch the video, and you can also download a free copy of, of the number one book, Falling Down, Getting Up. This book was number one in stress recovery and yoga. So you can download a free uh, ebook copy of that. And if you want the printed copy too, you can get that for free too. I just ask you to cover a little shipping and handling. With that being said, I'm super excited for our guest. I met our guest recently at a business event that we were both attending for a couple of days with a group of other people. And I was immediately drawn to her because of what she does and who she is. So our guest, Dr. Mary Clifton, is a MD, a family practitioner. She's been a researcher, she a published researcher, she's published a, a number of books. I'm not really sure whether it's three or four, but we'll talk to her and uh, let her tell us that. And she's really focused a lot of her practice today on uh, food-based, uh, lifestyle, plant-based, CBD type work, and we're going to dive into all of that. So welcome, Dr. Mary. Welcome to Falling Up Radio. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. What a great introduction. Yeah, ab absolutely. Like I mentioned, when, when we met uh, recently, I was, I was immediately uh, drawn to you because of what you do. And it's something that's near and dear to my heart. And I know that the listeners enjoy listening too. I actually had had a couple of comments lately where people said they want more like plant-based and food and lifestyle type episode. So it's, this is perfect timing that you're here. Yeah. Yeah. I love plant-based nutrition. Yeah. How, let, let me ask you, how did you become a doctor? What, what drove you to, to become a doctor initially? Oh, well, yeah. I mean, I, I think I've, I think of myself primarily as a scientist, mm -hmm. uh, although I think being a doctor is so much more than being a scientist. But I, all throughout my uh, childhood, I loved science and I always, you know, wrote a 15 page paper when a three page paper was necessary for, um, you know, for, for various uh, uh, opportunities. Like, um, like my eighth grade paper on was a massive paper on Sir Frederick Banting and all of his work in dog studies that led to the to the data on uh, insulin and treating diabetic insulin. It was pretty horrible before we had insulin. I mean, diabetes is still hard, <laughs> but in any case, I've always loved uh, science. And uh, and then when uh, it came time to go to graduate school. Um, you know, my mother said, why don't you think about being a doctor uh, of medicine? And so I applied to medical school and, uh, and had a few great interviews and was lucky enough to be accepted at Michigan State. And so I've been, uh, been practicing now for 22 years, but I've always been a scientist since I was, uh, since I was little, I think. Yeah. And just really interested in how things work and, uh, and why things work the way they do and how to change systems and, and create different outcomes, you know? 
Well, let, let me ask you about that because I have, in, in my research, I'm not a doctor, but I've, I've studied a lot about uh, various medicine and having my own health conditions, et cetera. And mm -hmm. I find that oftentimes the researchers are years, if not a decade or so ahead of medicine that's being practiced. Do you find that that to be true? Oh yeah, that's true. We have that problem all the time when we work with uh, medical students. Um, you know, a lot of times the medical students are way ahead of us and, you know, uh, doing, wanting to do things in a way that follows the research patterns and the studies show over and over that people, not just doctors, but everybody, uh, it takes 10 years to adopt a new habit. So, for example, using staples to close most surgical wounds reduces risk of infection, but it took surgeons, you know, a solid decade to 15 years to pull the stapler out instead of the uh, thread. And then we had, by that time, we had data on which uh, closures could be closed, which ways to reduce infection, but it took an extremely long time, even in really, really high quality settings, you know, in top places around the country, just takes a long time to adopt new ideas. Yeah. Well, so I, I, I know even in the early 1900s, late 1800s, 1900s, uh, where some of the doctors started talking about that they needed to wash their hands and that they could <laughs> right. hard can hard that? because they, they didn't believe that that was true, that you could spread germs that way. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, you think about Dr. Kellogg, uh, a Michigan, you know, one of our, our famous Michigan uh, doctors put his patients on six weeks of vegan diet before surgery. He had amazing surgery outcomes all the time and, uh, and, and even had a special little signature way that he closed his wounds. So you could tell it was a Dr. Kellogg procedure, <laughs> but he had great outcomes and, uh, you know, a, a really surprising for his time. But now that we know everything we know, probably not all that surprising. He was just doing a really great ahead of his time work. Yeah. And even today, I, I would imagine that the the accelerated research and the accelerated knowledge that we're having today is far out in front of medical practice. Oh, yeah, I think so. I think, but I, I'm grateful for the internet and for PubMed and, uh, and, and for thought leaders in the community who can innovative uh, ideas forward. I love innovation and I love when a patient is empowered to take care of themselves and, you know, not be uh, dependent on a doctor or a physical therapist, you know, when they can get them, get their conditions under control and be able to avoid expensive pharmaceuticals. That's a, a very powerful thing to provide someone. Yeah. Now, do you consider yourself in your early career as a doctor more of a traditional doctor or have you always been more kind of an integrative, you know, let's look at these other ideas, whether it's food or CBD or what else? Well, I think that regular Western medicine is very, very powerful, but there are a lot of things that we don't do very effectively. We don't manage like a, a cough either acutely or chronically, very effectively, for example. Uh, there's a, a lot of things that we could do to limit the intensity of colds and flu that we really don't 
rely, yeah, that, that, that we just don't know about in Western medicine that are very popular in other, in other medicines. So, you know, in my grand rounds during my last year of my residency, I did it on um, herbal therapies, which everybody says had no, uh, has data and it doesn't make sense to present it because there's not enough data to present. But actually there's a pharmacopoeia that is available in Europe that has all kinds of data on herbal therapies. Mm -hmm. So I was able to find plenty of information on it and uh, and put together a great presentation, which made me start thinking that a lot of times the information that you need is out there. It's just that you have to go looking for it. Yeah, I've, I there's find a lot that. of powerful yeah. things in medicine. Yeah, mm -hmm. I find that. And a lot of powerful things. Even in the 80s, in 86, 87, where I had atherosclerosis and they did fempops on both my legs. And for, yes. for the listeners, a fempop is essentially bypass surgery. On, on the legs, um, I, I ended up at, at Pritikin Longevity Center in Santa Monica, and I know my doctors at the time in Portland at OHSU were doubtful that going to Pritikin would be of any benefit and that yoga would be of any benefit. And mm -hmm. certainly in, in my early healing, those things that the diet change walking and yoga is really what helped me more than anything else. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think in a lot of cases that can, that's true. We certainly have great data out of Pritikin and very similar data with Dean Ornish's work, you know, where he can uh, reverse the need for people to go to um, tra heart transplant and, and reverse atherosclerosis in shockingly short periods. Yeah, of time. yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, with diet and lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Just that crazy, uh, you know, radical concept of eating a vegetable instead of a piece of meat. <laughs> well, I, I, I call it because I am plant-based, so I call it eliminating the middleman, so to speak, or the middle uh, animal, and just going right for what they eat because they eat grass and they eat plants. That's primarily what they eat. Yeah, I think that the only way that the message really fails is that, you know, we just can't get full on salads. And so, you know, you have a salad and then you're still hungry and then three or four days into your salad program, you grab a burger, you know. Yeah. We, we need to really help people hear the message about beans and whole grains yeah. and help them get, you know, full on, uh, on vegan food. But, um, and then there's everybody trying to confuse the message around healthy whole grains. Sure. So it's, uh, it, it's very complicated. And then when you start to look it up, there's, there's so much money around food that Big Egg uh, makes a lot of sticky uh, websites. And so if you're reading about vegan, you're suddenly reading about how dangerous beans and whole grains are. And then pretty soon you're really boggled up and don't know what to do. So it's, it's still an upward battle, I think, for people to find the right data on diet. Well, I, I, I know when, when I dived into the China study and T. Colin Campbell in that book and the information that came out of that, I mean, it's fascinating to, to look at that large-scale research that that was done, mm -hmm. you know, in that study. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A lot of it. My favorite part about all of that is a lot of it is population based and, you know, it isn't like we have ever taken, uh, you know, 20,000 people and fed half of them Twinkies uh, as their main dietary source of calories and fed the other no, half of vegan diet. Is, is, are you saying something's wrong with Twinkies? 
<laughs> I just think it's funny how everybody says, well, you don't have any randomized controlled data on that as though that's the gold standard. But, yeah. but people would think you were completely nuts if you took a group of babies and fed them you know, just nothing garbage and then saw an outcome. Of course, you would want to feed somebody healthy food to have a better outcome. So yeah. I, the same thing, yeah, is true. When, whenever somebody throws a randomized con lack of data, you go, no, well, now wait a minute. What kind of data are you actually looking for when you're, because are you sleeping? If you, if you think that sleep matters, then, you know, we've never uh, uh, restricted the sleep of somebody for 10 or 20 years to see the outcomes. Yeah. You know, we've never actually, where we've divided a population and proven that people need to sleep. It just appears that sleep is better when we look over populations or if you're, you know, getting enough water or if you're trying to maintain good relationships, none of that data is based on randomized controlled trials. So it, you know, people, it, this, we have great data on diet. We just have a lot of people that are trying to, you know, throw a lot of questions into the data to make you feel uncertain about decisions, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think they call that gaslighting, don't they? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> in, in a really negative yeah. way. But I yeah. hear so much around CBD and cannabis too, like you don't have any data on that. Well, we have a lot of small trials and we have a drug that's 5,000 years old. We have data all the way back into ancient Chinese manuscripts where they were using these products for nausea and for uh, pain management for 5,000 years. Yeah. So if you were gonna grow two heads on it, you probably would have seen someone with two heads by now. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like I have two heads, like, ah. yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. So let, let, let me ask you, uh, Dr. Mary, at what point did you start to become interested in, in CBD and what that could do. I mean, is that something more in the last couple of years or have you been studying um, that for a number of years? Well, I've been studying nutrition for a long time and really looking at ways to innovate around helping people you know, have more self-empowerment. And, uh, and, and I've really enjoyed helping people in that space. And then just in the last uh, couple of years, I've had a few um, close people die in my around me my brother and a good girlfriend both of cancer and you know close enough to me that for the first time i was the one sitting at the bedside doing the hospice mm. i mean i always am running hospice because i'm an internist and i have somebody that is moving through a process of dying truly all the time and someone's always doing that in the hospital when i'm working hospital work but this was people that i was sitting at the bedside and uh and i saw a huge difference person to person with how uh they re were responding to um, to the experience with using uh, cannabinoids and not using cannabinoids. So I started, uh, you know, researching it, thinking there's probably not any research because that's all we ever get told. And of yeah. course, there's a load of research. There's loads of research. Yeah. So I, I so really loads of research that nobody knows about. So I so I started shooting video around it, and uh, and now I've compiled a hundred videos that help people understand how to use it. Now, now, that's on one of your websites, too, because I know that you have, like, a big library and some resources and a blog and a lot of really good in-depth information about CBD and, and um, various products of that sort that, 
that's helpful. Yeah, I think it's a I think it's a, a pretty comprehensive library, and the messages on the library come straight to me. So if you get on there and you are looking for something that isn't on there, then you can just message and I'll shoot it. Oh wow, that's great. Yeah, I did a presentation a few months ago, and one of the audience uh, people, one of the audience said, uh, what about athleticism? Oh, you know, what about athletic performance and, can- and cannabinoids? And I was like, hmm, I'll go shoot that video because <laughs> <laughs> I haven't studied that. Yeah. So, so, so we, have, we, have, uh, we have actually a little bit of research around that. And I was able uh-huh. to talk to a doctor out in New York who is uh, working on the anti-doping laws and changing the way that those laws read around uh, cannabis. Yeah. yeah. So and when, when you talk about CBD, you're not necessarily talking about sitting around with, and taking bong hits. You're, you're, you're <laughs> talking about um, oftentimes, CBD does not necessarily have THC in it, but it, ha- it has other, um, I'm, I'm not sure what you call it, substances um, that cause the effect that you're trying to create. Can, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, CBD and THC are the predominant cannabinoids found in cannabis, uh, and you can get your CBD in a in a in a in a, in a whole plant in what what they call full spectrum, where it, where it came from a plant that produces primarily CBD, but there may be a tiny amount of other. Uh, cannabinoids like THC in it or all the other ones that are lesser known, CBN, CBG, CBC. But the CBD is really the workhorse of the, of the plant, the thing that produces muscle, reduces muscle spasm and helps reduce anxiety and promote sleep, all those things. So, uh, so the CBD either isolated where they run it through a distillation and provide a pure product or the CBD in more of a full spectrum where you get other things that are also in the plant is, uh, is not going to get you high. It doesn't have the psychoactive THC, so you don't high with it, but it, uh, it gives you that calming effect and helps to reduce yeah. pain and anxiety. Yeah, yeah it, it, and it's it, very it, safe. It's available it, in all 50 states. Yeah. Many of our listeners, you know, and including myself, you know, I, I've been in recovery since the 80s as well. And mm-hmm. so I, I've shied somewhat away from oh, any substances that might uh, re-trigger s- some of that. Um, and at the same time, I mean, I had a friend that had pancreatic cancer mm-hmm. about six years ago now. And he passed in, he was in recovery and he passed in 56 days. He didn't have time to do any surgery or any other interventions. And um, he was using a, a CBD product that would instantly help reduce the pain that, that he was experiencing. Yeah. And, you know, the hospital allowed him to have it there at the hospital as well here in Oregon. Um, oh, that's wonderful. That's true in, in all states but it's true here no we had a little problem in new york with my uh, with my friend even though she had a medical card you know we had some trouble with having the product in the hospital yeah yeah is that yeah. Changing? Do, do you find that that's getting better or do you is it still just kind of there well, I hope it'll just sort of crawl along. I think it's going to be case by case, and uh, it, th- that might be a hard thing to get, uh, you know, to get moving forward. I think that that's just going to take time. 
but um, but but I think it's getting better. I mean, the more and more we have uh, legalization for medicinal use and legalization for recreational use, you know, the societal pressure, all of that is going to work to make it easier to use the products appropriately around death and dying, but also around anxiety and insomnia. There's, I mean, I was surprised at that event we were at together when we started talking about it how many people uh, who were just ordinary people, you know, that, uh, that were saying you know, people that, and, and really conservative people that you would never expect. Yeah. And then they said, Oh, you know, I've been using a CBD THC product every night to sleep for a year now, or, you know, I use that to help me with my arthritis pain. I was so surprised at the, yeah. at the frequency of use and how many people are getting benefit from it. So I'm grateful to be able to share safety, tolerance, data for people who are using a product that works well. Yeah. Now, yeah. I, I want to go back a little bit to where you were already a doctor, and on your website, it talks about you, you came to a point to where um, you had a diagnosis of prediabetes and high cholesterol. Yeah. And that, that was quite a challenge for you at the time oh yeah talk a little bit about that to the listeners maybe on a little personal level on, on the struggles you had with that and what happened yeah. I was really surprised by that you know because I um I've always lived a very uh healthy lifestyle I exercise a lot although I'd have to t say to be perfectly transparent in the last couple of years not much <laughs> at all because <laughs> I've really been focusing on we have to get you into, into yoga uh, yoga doctor yeah, the last couple of weeks, I finally, uh, you know, re-energized and just really realized that an hour away from work is going to make me far more productive than just continuously working, and probably a lot happier. But I, uh, but but anyway, for uh, up until the last couple of years, very very uh, at lots of exertional activity and what I thought was a pretty healthy diet. I ate, um, you know, I've always kept my weight low, and I and I eat. Uh, um, I was eating at the time of that diagnosis a, a cherry. Uh, like a Traverse City salad, they call it up north. It's a, like a chicken uh, and, and crumbled blue cheese and uh, cherries and a vinaigrette. It's tasty, but it, it, almost all the calories from meat and cheese. And breakfast would either be an egg on toast or a small bowl of cereal with cow's milk. So again, almost all the calories from meat and dairy. And then dinner was, you know, meat to vegetable. So, um, so in reality, probably 75 to 80% of my calories coming from meat. Uh, and, uh, and, and then I was having an occasional kidney stone, but not anything that was, I mean, I was doing fine, really. Some, some arthritis coming in in one shoulder and in my hands, but my mother has arthritis. So I just thought that was what happened. Mm -hmm. And that, but when I got that diagnosis of cholesterol and <laughs> prediabetes, I was so upset. I mean, I, I remember seeing my doctor in the doctor's lounge and he just mentioned it. And I, I said, John, I'm sure that that is someone else's blood. You've made a mistake. And he laughed and said, you know, we don't, we don't make mistakes like that at my office, Mary. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, well, you did in this case, you know, but so I went back to my office and grabbed my own blood sugar monitor and gave myself a quick check. And sure enough, I was 114 just right in the middle of the day. Yeah. So, um, so that set me off on a, on a, on a lot of research to try to figure out what I was doing wrong. Cause I felt like I was doing everything right, you know? Yeah. 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 And then, and then really when you research it, the only conclusion you come to is that you have to go vegan. 
Yeah. Yeah. And then once, uh, once I got to that conclusion and made that modification, then, uh, everything corrected itself almost instantly. Yeah. It was uh, amazing how quickly things got better. Not only that, but things that I didn't even realize were driving me up a tree a bit, like allergies and, uh, and the, the little arthritis, the pain in my joints, the, um, you know, just my general level of energy, like all of a sudden you're younger again. So I felt really lucky to have gotten a chance to get better. So, so at that time when, when you switched to this vegan, was it more of a vegan or was it more whole food plant-based type diet? No, it was, it was pure vegan. It was pure vegan. Yeah, I did that for eight years. I was uh, very, very strict. I was never no oil, although I was low oil, but never no oil. I never tried gluten-free for any period of time. I cannot figure out how I would do that because I really need all of those grains. And I I don't feel like like that would be uh, like that just wouldn't work for me. Yeah, yeah. Well, I know when I switched, again, back in the 80s initially, you know, within two weeks, I was walking, I could walk 10 feet on a cane using a wall is about all that I could walk. And -hmm. two weeks later, I was walking two miles. It's amazing, isn't it? So it happened so fast. And we we had talked about Dr. Greger earlier, and I know his grandmother, when he was a child, she went to the same place, to the Pritikin Center, and within a couple of weeks, she was walking 10 miles from a wheelchair to walking 10 miles from eating plants. Yeah, it's amazing. It really is. I have so many wonderful success stories that way that I, I, uh, I just feel so terrible sometimes. I was out for a long walk. I'm out here in San Diego just a couple of nights ago, and a fellow was sitting by the water enjoying his dinner. He had, you know, a white bread with meat and cheese sandwich, and uh, between his legs he had a big container of fried pork. Mm. You know, those fried pork things, and he was enjoying, you know, the view. And I just, I thought I just cannot imagine doing that to my body anymore after, after, you know, what I've, what I've learned and what I've experienced firsthand with diet changes. I just, there, there's nothing that tastes that good for how bad it's going to make you feel, you know? I, I, I agree. And I know that you created a cookbook called the get wasted and that's not smoking pot wasted let me spell that for you <laughs> listeners is w-a-i-s-t-e-d so your waste right mm-hmm. so the get wasted cookbook so is that like full of vegan and plant-based type uh, recipes or what what's in there it's a hundred dinners because we you know i was trying to find what the vegan community really needs um and and because a lot of people are talking about cancer and heart disease but um but a lot of people need a great weight loss program and so get wasted was a really great vegan weight loss program and and within vegan food i mean it's pretty easy to eat a vegan breakfast it's pretty easy to eat a vegan lunch but people get stuck at dinner because nobody knows what to cook so that's a hundred vegan dinners wow and uh, and uh, yeah that there's all kinds of great choices for dinner and that solves the problem of what you're going to have for dinner then uh, and then we designed basically like breakfast uh, a big salad for lunch and then uh, you know rice and beans some variation of a rice and bean dinner 
Yeah. So that, that was how to diet and that I, and, uh, and that had varying levels of success. I mean, I think the problem is people get hungry on a vegan diet. They don't get full like you get full when you eat meat. And I think also people uh, just, they worry and worry and worry about their protein. I think that's in there too. So um, it's it, it, and you get and you get GI changes. I mean, there's a lot of gas when you add a high amount of fiber to your diet, and people don't talk about what happens when you're eating more plant based. But but you can feel pretty like things aren't digesting well is for the first that, couple of weeks. More, and that's hard. Is that more early on? Because I, I mean, I don't have that at all, and I'm. I get plenty of food. I don't feel hungry. I don't have excess gas. And I'm all... Yeah. Well, the, the, I mean, the thing about vegan is that it, it, it starts to shift everything immediately. So, yeah. you, you know, you, and, and the cells that divide the quickest in your body are the, are the cells that, that cover the surface of your body and your eyes and your skin and also that cover the surface of your gut. So, you know, you see changes almost instantly in the skin and in the brightness of the eyes. Um, and then you'll also see changes, you know, very instantly in the gut within seven to 10 days. But, though, but I think before that, before you turn over all the enzymes and shift the cells, people do get quite a bit of gut symptoms. So, okay. and in some situations, if you're in an environment where you're working close to other people, that can be really <laughs> difficult to handle, uh, you know? But that's more just early on, what, what I'm hearing you say. Is that right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It doesn't go on forever. So you just yeah. have to be ready for, for the initial changes and then you yeah. know, take it from there. Mm -hmm. You know, it took me a, uh, took me a while to, to switch over, but um, I'm really glad I did and you know in today's world it, it's easier and easier to find plant-based meals and to be able to go to uh, restaurants and they accommodate for you I I had to kind of laugh though I was at the county fair the other day um, the big county fair that we have here yeah, it's horrible to try to eat there well, there, there was a couple <laughs> of uh, booths there that were fine but there was also a couple of them you know Hamburgers, hamburgers, cheeseburgers, cheeseburgers, no vegetarian burgers. Several of them actually wrote that up on their big menu, and I, or no vegetarian food, and I had to kind of chuckle. Oh, that's so hard. No vegetarian food. No, I've yeah. been to restaurants before, and I'll order the beans and rice, and they'll say, we have a little pork in the beans, and we mix the rice with a little lard. Like, they're just intentionally making sure that, that they don't have to deal with a vegetarian <laughs> in that restaurant. It's like, I got yeah. it. Yeah. Thank you. Hey, that's okay. I'll go somewhere <laughs> else then, you know? Yeah. Because it's like, for me, I, I feel, and I know a lot of, vegan whole food plant-based uh diet don't want to put any meat products or dairy products in it's a little bit like dumping sugar in your gas tank or something well just a little sugar is okay well no it's not yeah, yeah, you can be pretty, uh, you can be pretty restrictive on it and get, I mean, I, I, I never got to the point where if you cooked my veggie burger on the grill with the hamburger that, or, or with the same, with the same spatula that I would get upset about that. But I know vegetarians and vegans who do, you know, I think you're cooking off and most of the, and, and I think at that level, the risk 
is very low. You're going to get any kind of animal product that's going to, you know, cause any problems. And to some degree, I just want it to be easier. I don't want to make my hosts feel uncomfortable if I'm, if I'm there for a party. A lot of times just bringing your own food or eating before the event so that you don't have to make them worried that you're not getting the, uh, that they're not going to have the right food for you. Um, mm-hmm. uh, all of those things. And then, and I just, uh, yeah, I feel like now everybody's got it. And so most of the places I go or most of the experiences I have, I can find something delicious easily. That's uh, that's, that's going to cover my needs. I have, I, I, it's, it's so nice now, even compared to, you know, 10 years ago when I first started on that whole adventure, uh, it seemed really difficult. But it may have just been my own brain making it very difficult, you know, and not really seeing nutrition where there was a whole bunch of nutrition, you know. Yeah. So it takes time to open up your own brain to new ideas. It probably took me, I think, two years. And the studies do say that like six weeks starts a habit, but you really don't ingrain a habit until two years. And I would say that was definitely true of my diet. I felt a lot of times like I was eating, you know, somebody else's food (laughs) and my food, like the barbecued ribs and the, you know, blue cheese dressing on my salad was all over there, somebody else was eating my food, and I was eating this food belonged to somebody else. But yeah. it, it took a long time until you know eating that stuff seemed really strange to me. It yeah. takes a while. At yeah. least it does for me. I'm, yeah. I, you know, it's hard for my brain to switch gears. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, let me ask you a question, and I don't know if this is uh, you've got this question before, but. You've been a doctor for a couple decades now. And over that period of time, you know, did you, did you have an aha moment or a couple of aha moments that really jumped out at you that really caused an impact in the way that you practice and what you do? Like, oh, aha, I need to start doing that. Um. I think that the day-to-day practice of Western medicine really wears a doctor down. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have, you're trying to make a connection and make really loving care of, of the patients that are your patients. And then you're constantly fighting with insurance companies to get the medicines that they need. And, um, and, and, you know, and, and dealing with reimbursement issues and making sure that, you know, the front desk is answering the phones in a pleasant way. There's a lot to running your own business, you know, as a, as a, as a primary care doctor. And then, um, you know, it, it, it does become a bit of a grind. It's a, it's a very, very taxing job. And I think that part wasn't really an aha moment, but it was like a, a, where I felt like I was just shuffling around, putting crutches under mm-hmm. people's arms. I felt like they were coming in with a busted leg. They had, you know, they were four pounds overweight. They were hypertensive. They were diabetic, high cholesterol, gout, depression. And I was putting everybody on the same drugs. Everybody was on, you know, a, a variation of Prozac and Lipitor and uh, hydrochlorothiazide and lisinopril. And, you know, I, I, everybody, I, and then here, here's your crutch, go out and, and do what you're doing, you know, uh, and, and then the next year they'd come back five or eight pounds heavier and, you know, possibly in between then having a cancer or a heart attack. And it was, 
it just made me very frustrated that I didn't really have any tools to help anybody get better. I just had all of these crazy crutches and I was really just a middleman for a bunch of pharmaceutical companies and for the insurance companies, which are not in the wellness business. All of those people are very much in the disease business And, and, uh, and none of that is satisfying over time. None of that is satisfying over time for me, or I think any of the, any of the doctors that I love so much that are back in the community that I was working in, I was just there last winter and, but it was like an in out. I popped in to do a couple of meetings uh, in the wellness community is different than the disease community. So I didn't have any meetings with my old doctor friends, but I ran into a few of them at breakfast and, you know, they were like, uh, it's worse than it's ever been. You know, the, if the interactions with the hospital are worse than it's ever been, the insurance had tightened up here and here, they were just like, it's so not fun to do this. And uh, it's heartbreaking, really, the way it sort of wrenches you away from what you love, you know. So the, uh, that 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 period of time that that I became increasingly frustrated with what I was trying to do lasted for you know 14 years, uh, but really intensified over time. But then when I you know when I experienced those uh, when I experienced my own change uh, in my health that led to my lifestyle change. That was a big moment. And then when I went through these deaths and saw the other issues, you know, that was another big moment. Because I think one thing that the plant-based community really misses, and it's a very small one thing, but it's a big thing, is, you know, these, you're, you're focusing on anti-inflammation. And all of the foods that you're eating are anti-inflammatory. The movement is anti-inflammatory. But all those people in that part of China where everybody's experiencing major longevity are, are using cannabinoids almost every day, <laughs> you know? And they don't put that anywhere in the literature, but they have a very potent anti-inflammatory product that they're exposing themselves to. And I, I think the plant-based community should talk about that you know, and make sure that plant-based people share that, you know, assuming that you're in a sober situation and it's not something that you can consider. But if you're not in that setting, you know, the addition of cannabinoids on a regular basis will just help to further promote that anti-inflammatory, anti-cancer, anti-anxiety setting that you're aiming for with your diet. Yeah. That's a big answer. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> it, it, it sounds like the, all of that stuff that you were talking about when once you realize how much the lifestyle changes in the food would change things that that became maybe one of those aha moments oh it, yeah i mean when i got better myself and i had to sort of back myself into it i had a really hard time imagining not getting enough protein because i was just like everybody in america i was so protein focused and couldn't imagine how I was going to do without protein. Uh, and, and then to, I, I literally, Michael had my computer open on my kitchen table for the better part of a year. And I, I would be cutting an avocado and thinking, well, there's no benefit to eating an avocado. It's just a big blob of fat. And then I would get on my computer and go, oh, holy moly, avocados are great for you. They're loaded with fiber. They're just, this is, this is going to be a great thing for me to eat. And I did that over and over and over with everything. Yeah. And I had another night that I was uh, eating, cooking uh, food, and I and I thought, 
I wish that I could make those pork roll-ups that I used to make the girls. I hadn't been two years, but I used to make this Vietnamese street food pork roll-up that has a lot of brown sugar and a ton of ginger and garlic and a little fish sauce, and it's so good, but it's not vegan and we can't eat it. And so I was making whatever I was making, and then I was like, well, now wait a minute. I can just make it with pinto beans. Pinto beans are my go-to replacement for pork. So I didn't have to cook the pork for three or four hours. I threw the pinto beans in with all the other stuff and uh, mashed some of them and left some of them whole. And then it was utterly delicious. It was so good. It, my same old recipe. And my older daughter, who was in medical school at the time, you know, came around the corner and she said, you, you can't cook that. That's not vegan. We can't eat that. You can't cook that. And I was like, I'm making it with pinto beans. <laughs> she, she, thought it was she just hard. couldn't believe it. Yeah. <laughs> I know. She was like, what are you doing? We're all vegan. And well, we're, you know, tonight we still are vegan because yeah. you can replace that fish sauce with a little salt and it's the yeah. same thing. Anyway, what a, that was a, a great night when I was like, there's, there's endless food here. There's just really endless food here. Now, th this is a whole nother rabbit hole that we probably don't have time to go down, but you mentioned the thing about protein and, yeah, you know, it, it, isn't it really more about the amino acids and getting the proper amount and balance of amino acids versus the protein? You know, I think it's just more about the fiber and yeah. getting dark green leafy every single day. I, I don't think people should worry about their protein at all. I think you should stay up nights worrying about your fiber and whether or not you got dark green leafy every day. I mean, if I get to dinner time and I still haven't had a big salad that day, I, I'm uh, really honed in on getting a big green leafy salad, you know? Yeah. And a lot, and sometimes you can get a little off. I mean, like if you don't get one before dinner, and then you end up at a steakhouse, you can you can still work your way through a steakhouse. And the and the vegetables sometimes are amazing yeah. at a steakhouse, but uh, but it's hard to find those green green leafies. You know, sometimes at dinner time. So I really make a point those at breakfast or lunch. But I, if I've gotten that, and uh, and I can count up, you know, I I, I mean, I I, I don't ha I can't eat a lot of food. I'm not a two calorie a day person, but um, if I can get my fiber counts to where I'm 20 or more, then I'm in, I'm in great shape. Then I can relax. But right. that's, I think where the real health is for your, for your, for your whole system. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. We're, we're, we're yeah. already getting close. I was just looking at my clock and we're already getting close to the end. So I have a question for that. You know, maybe the, the listeners, or for you to, to help the listeners, are there like three simple things that maybe a listener could do to uh, maybe take a look at their lifestyle or maybe it's eat more pinto beans instead of pork or, I mean, do you have, do you have three basic simple ideas that somebody could perhaps use today or in the next couple of days to maybe help them feel better? Oh, I think one of the one of my favorite tricks that I love to do all the time, and that uh, that is just I think an easy thing to add that uh, that's not only easy but it's also delicious, is hibiscus tea. You know, uh, uh, getting a high amount of antioxidants will help protect you from aging and from the development of, of cancer. And so I make a pot of hibiscus tea probably every 
30 hours, you know, and I, wow. and I drink a pot of tea. Okay. I drink it all the time, but it has, uh, it, it's, it controls your blood pressure as good as lisinopril in studies. And it, it also has 15 times the antioxidants of green tea. So wow. you, you don't have to drink a bitter green tea. You can drink hibiscus tea with some lemon, which is like drinking fruit punch or Kool-Aid. And, and it's, uh, it tastes so good and it's so nourishing and hydrating for your body. So I just feel like I'm fighting cancer all day long with that one decision. Yeah. I, I think it's better than water. You know, yeah. it's, it's like supercharged water that I drink all day. Um, wow. I, I love that decision for staying hydrated. And then, um, you know, the, I, I, the other thing I like to do is, is, uh, is get a little bit of exercise every day. If I can't do anything, Michael, I do what you told me to do. I do yoga. You know, I can't, I can't necessarily get a run or do, or do a, a spin class every day in New York. Things get busy. But, um, but I can always stop and do 20 minutes of yoga and there's so much easy yoga online. I can just pop in, you know, uh, pop in any, any one of the people on YouTube. I have a couple of people I love to follow and then just do their class and, yeah. and then get back to work, you know? That's great. Well, and people in New York, especially in New York, I've, I've been there a number of times. They walk a lot. Oh, I know. Yeah. You know, walk to the subway, walk here, walk there. So, I mean, the, the, the get a lot of walking in just yeah. in everyday life. On a light day, if I'm like, okay, I, I'll go get some dinner and I got to pick up some berries at the grocery store. I can do that right on my block. But, uh, but as a prerequisite to using the grocery store on my block, you have to, you have to be crazy. I have had so many weird experiences in there <laughs> that I just walk three blocks down to yeah. the whole yeah. and then I have better selection anyway but but yeah once I leave my apartment I get 5,000 steps because you're just like oh wait I got to go to the bank oh wait and then all of a sudden you're you're getting a ton of exercise yeah, yeah I get more exercise than I realize well two about 2,000 mm -hmm. steps is about a mile so 5,000 steps is pretty good yeah, it's not enough. I'd like to be closer to 10. But you know, sometimes I mean, sometimes work really gets in the way. But I always lean on those studies that show that, you know, a, uh, a, a couch potato vegan is is healthier than a, uh, you know, and has more cancer fighting chemicals in their blood than a uh, than a protein based gym rat. So I can just eat really well on those days that I can't get moving in and still be pretty protected. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, this has been a, a fascinating conversation today. I've, I've learned a lot, um, learned a lot about CBD, which um, I know that you're, you're, you're working on some more stuff around that. I've, I've learned a lot just about uh, the food and just, you know, maybe eating more greens and the, course the hibiscus thing i'm gonna do that i'm gonna go get some hibiscus tea because i haven't had any for a while i'll so drink good. occasional <laughs> tea and uh, uh -huh. i'm gonna do that and start drinking some more tea and see see how i feel i think you're gonna feel fantastic you're gonna yeah. love it you can start out with a hot tea you know when you first brew it and then later on you can have it over ice and you're gonna love it and for, for the listeners, um, what is the best website for them to find more information out about you and what you do? And um, is it 
is it the CBD side or what, what side is best? Yeah, the CBD and cannabis info.com is where all of my resources are around CBD and cannabis. We're going to relaunch Get Wasted at Christmas time. Oh. Uh, so, it, so if people are interested in that, we will relaunch that around, uh, uh, you know, around beginning of December and November um, and, uh, and, and be continuing to relaunch that through the months of January and February. Uh, but, but if you're, if you're interested in that launch, probably getting on the email list for CBD and cannabis info, that's where you'll, uh, that that's where we'll be launching it from, you know, linking it through there. Perfect. Yeah. But we'll have some really, a lot of people have a lot of anxiety that triggers around uh, diet and these diet changes. And so we're going to have some really beautiful vegan, uh, you know, products that we can use to uh to make that transition a little easier you nice. know that have cbd and, yeah. and, <laughs> and for, sort of meld all of that together on the podcast on apple or stitcher again you can go to our website fallingupradio.com and look for more information about dr mary and her websites will be listed there too um so if you didn't get it just come to falling up radio and it's all listed there uh for you as well you're doing great work here, Michael. Really thank, valuable work. Thank, thank you, Dr. Mary. Um, again, it was really great having you here. And uh, maybe what, once you get into launching your, your, your next thing later this year and early next year, we can have you back right. talking more about that as well. Well, that would be fun. I'd love that. Yeah. yeah. So hold, hold, hold on till we get to the other side. <laughs> and again, if you, uh, for the listeners, if you want to download the Falling Down Getting Up book, just go to the website and download mm -hmm. that ebook for free. And have a wonderful day. Eat your veggies and have some hibiscus tea, and we'll talk to you soon. <laughs> bye bye.